Welcome to Rooted and Unwavering, a podcast and radio show which features leaders from all walks of life in conversations about courageous connectedness. How do we stay connected to our best selves, especially when we are challenged? What becomes possible when we truly stay committed to our own and others' greatness, also when we don't feel it? Join host Hilke Faber, transformational coach, facilitator, and award-winning author of Taming Your Crocodiles, and his guests as they explore leadership greatness in today's episode of Rooted and Unwavering. Welcome to Rooted and Unwavering. This is already the 11th episode. We're broadcasting live again from Phoenix Business Radio X in Arizona, where we help leaders connect more deeply to their innate potential. I'm your host, Hilke Farber, and I'm here today with Pradeep Huen. Pradeep, how are you today? I'm great, Hilke. Good morning. Good morning. So glad that you're here. In a moment, I'm going to tell more about you, and then we'll get into a conversation about courageous connectedness. And as a way into that, I'm also going to say a little bit about this podcast and also a little bit about you, including that you commune with droids, but about that a little bit later more. So this podcast, Rooted and Unwavering, is about helping us, all of us, connect more deeply to what's true about us. What we found is that in our work coaching and developing others, there's this theme of, I'm at my best. Ooh, I'm not at my best. How do I find my way back to to my best? And actually, as I do, just like uh, a good place or a good meal or a good friend, uh, we get to know more and more and more about that, what that at our best really is and how exciting that is, how, what an exploration that can be. So that's what this is. We are talking to different leaders from different walks of life that we find inspiring, that help us tell, uh, understand their stories to become inspired about what becomes possible for us. So with that intention, let's move to our guest for today for our 11th episode of Ruta and Wavering, Pradeep Yuen, who is currently a senior director at Microsoft. He is also the inventor and director of Truths and Insights, which is a digital platform to enable leaders to engage their teams and customers in courageous conversations. Uh, He's been in tech for 23 years. He's founded startups that bring also cinematic storytelling to business, create movies with AI in under 90 seconds. I need to know more about that. He's held leadership roles at Microsoft for first-generation innovations such as collaboration, data analytics, entertainment, and AI technologies. He's also an avid champion for the inclusive workplace. And he lives that at home because he has a direct family from three continents. Now, here's the community. He communes with droids from alien star systems and colludes with imaginary monsters. It is all to manage and entertain his five-year-old twin girls, which are quite central in his life, as I understand. Uh, Before the girls, he used to be passionate, at least he told me, uh, about tennis, photography, traveling, and storytelling. But now he's more focused on French braiding and dad jokes. He also has an MBA from Carnegie Mellon and a Bachelor's of Engineering in Electrical and Electronics from Nanyang Technological University in Singapore. Man with so many gifts, so much background, so much inclusion. Also, uh, we got to know each other, Pradeep, about a year ago now, maybe a little bit less, 
uh, when somebody introduced me and he said, you know, you need to talk to Pradeep because what he does and what you do are a perfect fit because he has invented something that I think you would really enjoy as you think about bringing what you do into the last mile of organizations, really have people click with the evolution in the day-to-day. And then I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. I hear these things a lot. And then I met Pradeep and uh, there was an instant resonance and also uh, an instant admiration for his humility and his humanity that he brings together with all his gifts. So with all of that, Pradeep, uh, let's step into our conversation. So tell me a little bit about yourself and, and your journey with connectedness and doing what you truly love. Yeah, and, and th- thank you for that introduction, uh, Hilka. And, and also, it's been a fascinating 13 months since uh, we got introduced by email. And it's been great working with you and exploring this. So you, you have told me, told a lot about myself already to, to people. But specifically, I'll, I'll, I'll go into a couple of pivots that helps people maybe understand. I, I did my undergraduate uh, in Singapore. Uh, but then before that, I grew up in uh, Chennai, South India. And then Pittsburgh, eventually moving and then making Seattle my home. And in that context, constant narrative that's been with me is I've always felt like I'm not in the majority. And with that comes in a completely different culture that you're trying to assimilate into. And that means many things. So you're trying to like be somebody else while trying to maintain your own identity and while making that juxtaposition work, uh, you figure out that your inner self starts expanding and transforming and you just have to let it. Being an immigrant uh, and a minority in Singapore and then not even having the language there because I don't speak Mandarin or Hokkien or Cantonese um, or Malay for that matter, and then coming to America, where well, I understand the language, obviously, but the culture is still a different one. And doing that a few times, then suddenly starts realizing that you know your inner you can evolve, can transform, can be something new. So my journey has been through these kind of pivots, cultural pivots, and as a result, actively embracing learning at every single point and uh, failures or frustrations with the view of learning has been the one tangent uh, that I always maintain. So you're not always going towards the center with the linear view. It's like, okay, tangential is totally fine. Directionally, am I in the right place? And that's core, I think, towards how I've approached trying to find out myself and being connected to my myself. And to me, it comes from having been connected to vision environment, the sounds, place, ambience, texture, people, and then having different circles wherever you go and not letting go of any circles that you might have before. And I say circles, people, circles. And also having a sense of connectedness across time, past, present, future. Just because you're in the present doesn't mean your past doesn't count. And because you're in the present doesn't mean your future is not something you're setting up for. So all of that feels like a lot. But it's actually not that difficult when you really put your mind to it and just focus on, I'm just trying to be here and have fun with people that matter. Like that's the summary that I get back to. 
Yes, yes, yes. Right. I get that. And I can see that in your eyes, like these uh, these little lights of mm, pleasure, curiosity, amusement, and like fierceness. I hear that in you. And I also hear it in your story, something about expansion. You always mm-hmm. allow things to expand you. Now, my sense is that is a conscious choice because things can also shrink you. Uh, yes. Right. So you're telling, you know, it's, it sounds like such a beautiful journey. I'm imagining somebody from India going to Singapore and being in school there. So w- what did you learn about let, not letting yourself shrink, but actually letting yourself expand? Because I'm sure you had lots of reasons that you could have found to say, eh, I'm going to, no, I'm going to go smaller now. Yeah, and and the environment can do that too. Like specifically, let me uh, bring up an experience from 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 Singapore. So I was 16 when when I was invited into to Singapore. So it was a national scholarship. They picked about half a dozen, actually a dozen kids from all over India who did who were doing some really good things. And then I said, "Hey, we'll pay we'll pay you for your entire ride, and and here's a stipend." So. Very powerful statement to make to your parents and then say like, hey, I, I got it from here on. I'll take care of it. And, then I, and you actually leave the country in 16. My mom was bawling, obviously. Sending to another country and they like call me every weekend. I'm like, mom, I don't have money to call every weekend. This is, you know, mid-90s. Internet was not there yet. So these are expensive phone calls. And there, suddenly you realize that all the superpowers that you were known for because we were national scholars. So you come with a sense of, hey, we're, uh, we are great at what we are doing. And, and this was all my entire cohort of people. Then you realize what you considered as breakfast does not exist here anymore. And I say that because there is a fundamental, uh, you take for granted about food, but it's sustenance that helps you think. And suddenly you don't have breakfast like you used to. Lunch looks very different. It smells very different. And at that point, you almost feel like this is not smell of even food. Like you start questioning some basics. And this is all biased based on where I grew up with. And of course, now when I go back to Singapore, all those smells brings me nostalgia and goes like, this is awesome food that I miss. Because over seven years there, you you, you have expanded, which was the point that you're uh, you're making. So those basics of sustenance itself initially was just like, this is not food. And once you start cutting down the nutrition because of choice, uh, your mind acts in very different ways. But when I start going up, let's say the hierarchy my Maslow's pyramid, and then start looking through a sense of leadership, and 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 that was part of what we were at uh, growing up, because I was, I was leading so many things even at school. Here, it was very different. There was a place for Hamels, which is, which is the ethnography that I'll be part of. Like, Hamel is my language. In Singapore, historically, that was a minority. Yes, it's a national language, but that was the fourth, fourth in the hierarchy, socioeconomic hierarchy that they had. But how it played out in practice for kids was when, example, when we were standing for a student leadership, uh, at the university in one of the student groups. And they asked me, okay, what are you going to stand for? I'm like, president, but I'm in my first year. So vice president. 
because I shall learn. And and they end up like, yeah, but your people, here's two roles that it's good for. These two are taken by the Chinese. And I'm like, what? No, let's, let's, isn't there a debate? Isn't this open? Like, yeah, but the outcome is this. So let me actually help you. So they were trying to help me in terms of this is the outcome. So why don't you go for these roles where the outcome is going to be positive for you, which did not make sense for me when uh, India is all about unity within diversity. Uh, and then we have multiple languages and uh, we, we make sense of it in, in our own complex, crazy ways. And here they're going for harmony. So intent is still there, but it came down to literally, no, you cannot do that, even though I haven't seen your capabilities, skills, intent, because of just your background, your rap. So that is, as you defined it, a potential shrinking moment. I fought that. I lost that election. So the outcome was not what I wanted. Uh, and and uh, then next time I realized I could fight this environment and then comply, which, which was going against my brain. But I also had this logical brain in terms of if I did the same thing and stood, I would have the same outcome. And I did not like that outcome. Therein, I, I didn't have a last name because we have patronymic names in the mode. So my last name became UN. And then I, instead of saying vote for Pradeep, which in the previous year went to like, oh, that's not for this role. And then I got voted out. It was vote for the UN. And I didn't even show up to the debates. I didn't put any images because I was like, using that leads to bias and an outcome I don't want. But something of neutrality leads with intrigue, and and intrigue will not hurt me. But let's see where it goes. So, as my hypothesis, like it can't get worse. Let's see what happens. And I got the outcome I wanted, and it stayed. So, <laughs> there's nothing I could change with the environment. But then I I was so deterministic uh, in terms of like here's the outcome I wanted. So you figure out how you can work through it. And uh, that's an example of like, is it contraction expansion? I don't know. Uh, but it was very outcome focused without giving identity out. That. I, I love this. It's like, uh, I hear you talk about, I'm very focused on the goal. Like I'm very focused on what I want to have achieve and what I want to achieve. And then like my brain would go to, let's try a little harder. Let's make it better. Like I'll make a better speech. I'll have better campaign materials or, you know, whatever. I'll, I'll listen better to the, the, the audience or whatever it needs to be uh, with the sense of like, head first. And what I see you do is you have that firmness of conviction. And then you give, you give, you give yourself the space of exploration and saying, ha, huh, what are some alternative ways that I can reach the goal? And so I'll have people vote for the UN and sense of unity and the intrigue of that. So tell us a little bit about how you got to creating this platform, Truths and Insights, maybe related to the story you're just telling uh, in an environment where I don't think anybody was saying to you, Pradeep, go create Truths and Insights. I don't think that was on anybody's thinking besides yours. So how did that come about? There are two more pivots in my life that led to it. I mean, the short answer in terms of fruits and insights would get me into Microsoft hackathon very here. But, you know, there is this thing around, you don't just come up with a finished painting. I don't want to use the word a masterpiece, but a finished painting, it's like it takes 
brushes, but then you have to figure out color. And, and that's something you learn much earlier in life. The actual painting work might have taken a week. But to put off that first color, make those choices, that takes years. So I'm, I'm going to share a couple of favorites, if that's okay with you, yes. to like how fruits and vegetables sure. came up. As you do in a deep way, you'll find your own way also in this conversation, which is one of the things I love about you. So go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So the first one is, is, is actually in 2007. And I was two years or three years into Microsoft, so 2007, 2008. It was the last lecture by Randy Pausch, Dr. Pausch, professor at, at Carnegie Mellon. Um, but in his case, it was the last lecture. He had pancreatic cancer, and then he was actually talking about here is and then his whole talk was about following your dreams, which which is how I was always back on. And and we shared an actual here's what we want to do. His was about Disney Imagineering, and I was similar like growing up. In my case, I was also about uh, I wanted to train to be a Jedi and travel with Han Solo, not to actually be a Jedi and fight, but actually travel with Han Solo. But it was Solo was too cool, and that gets me into the whole droid thing. But the sharing of the Disney Imagineering was something I had with. And, and he, I've, I've stood in lines for his classes back in Pittsburgh at Carnegie Mellon. But at the end, he had a couple of head fakes. So a head fake in sports is where, you know, it's called a head fake, where parents send their kids to you know, play football or tennis. It's not so much learn tennis and be a great football player. It's, it's so that you know how to deal with failure. It's you know how to work with the team, the discipline to show up every day and if you learn a sport, excellent outcome, but that's not the goal. So it's a head fake. So his head fake for the lecture, the last lecture, was all about the first head fake was, was that you're, you're talking about following your dreams and then grit But in, while he was sharing his story. But the real head fake was that this is an inf- message for his kids. It was his legacy. And that was pivotal to me because I realized that here was an absolutely brilliant professor I loved in uh, school, in his last lecture, coming up with this biggest message, passed out the thing about a year or two after that. And I always felt like, why do that at the end once you have it, once, once you have some mortality just in front of you? Why did you start doing that and, and focus on legacy and, and everything in terms of any milestone for a quarter or or, or, or the year is completely irrelevant to the exact uh, goal. So that was my first pivot, the aspect of I have to figure out what my legacy is and what that was going to be around. And, and around the same time, um, uh, I was also in some uh, high potential kind of training where it was all about ethos, finding yourself and writing it and sharing it with Others and and most uh, others had like you know I want to be a director I want to be a GM uh, I know that kind of goal and 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 mine never went anywhere close to that I always felt like yeah that'll be a milestone uh, I, I, like I don't want to be that I wanted to be a Jedi with Han Solo uh, and and and, the, and and everything else felt like something in the middle but what I really realized was. It was not just figuring out my legacy, but my legacy was about was going to be about others figuring out theirs. The aspect of raising the tide for all ships when the ships are figuring out their own voyages, 
And that uh, was like, oh, that's what it is. And the Randy Parsh last lecture, when I heard it, and then this was happening within a few weeks, very different things. But it started connecting to me a year afterwards uh, because it, it, you, you need those kind of experience to get there. That was one of the first uh, pivots that I uh, had. The second one was one of my biggest, uh, if, if you look from uh, professional terms, one of my biggest failures. Uh, it's my startup uh, called Seerflix. And this was around AI where you can uh, tell your stories. And, and the vision was at least 15 years ahead. The technology was at least 10 years ahead of where it was, where it could be. The Seerflix was around the insight around your past is somebody else's future. And that means you'll probably live your present with a lot more uh, thoughtfulness because you know every step you're taking, somebody else is going to follow it. And therefore, be very clear. Integrity is important because somebody is not watching. Somebody is looking up to you. And that also means your future is somebody's past, so you're not alone. Why have the trepidation and scare or, or fear around it? Somebody's done this before. You just don't know who. And this aspect of how do you connect people from the past with the people in the present, uh, it, it feels like mentoring, coaching, goal setting. Uh, but that's where I read. And, and, and it was all about narrative art. So in that work in my startup, we were exploring, like, how do we do this? This was before uh, Facebook had timeline. And, and I had actually written up timeline and written up like a time is that that's the thing here. And then uh, Facebook had timeline. So we had to have a few pivots. But the core there was around narrative arcs that our life, if you bring it down to narrative arcs, and now it goes back to Randy Pausch's lecture because he was describing his entire uh, life as narratives and then closing out with two head fakes on how he is uh, giving guidance to his kids. So these narrative arcs are emotional journeys, whereas most marketing stories are very linear, nothing emotional. It's just like, here's a problem, here's a solution, here's a KPI, buy from us, and nobody's going to watch the video again. But the same movie, if it's a good narrative arc, you'll cry, you'll, you'll, you'll feel euphoria, you'll, you'll, you'll struggle, and you'll watch it two or three times again. So the narrative arcs and the story trope, the fact that there's only a finite list of story tropes, then realize like, wow, your life and it's described, comes down to a few set templates. So Searflix was around, you can use templates with these arcs, it's a, set, a standard set of characters, and if because it's all standard and it's rules-based, I can automate it with AI. That was the whole thing around uh, Searflix, but the vision was, like I said, 15 years before, uh, ahead of its time. Tech was nowhere close to what we could do, but I did take a chance at it. But that aspect of narrative arcs, finite story tropes, along with the legacy of raising the tide for everybody in their narrative story tropes, your past, past is somebody's future, you can see how that would lead to fruits and insights. Uh, the only thing I changed was, uh, two things basically I changed was I was trying to do it all based on AI and automation. Yes. They took all of that out and threw it out and they just said, like, people should just tell their stories however they want. However, they might need a few prompts to get there 
and then we went a bit deeper. So that's two pivots leading towards truths and insights over a 15-year period. I love. And so your past became your future and also in a way. And and so I love that you're saying this phrase, like our past will become somebody else's future. Actually, is somebody somebody else's future. Very clear. It's a very strong assertion. I can feel in myself the lift that comes, the sense of responsibility, the inspiration, also the sense of connectedness. Like I'm not here by myself, out here, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. right? There's, it's not whatever, it's everyone. It yes. goes from whatever to everyone. And I'm part of everyone. And one, one way I'm part of everyone is by connecting my present to somebody else's future, my past to somebody else's future. So, I know what Truths and Insights is. I think many people that are listening will not know what Truths and Insights is. I love the, the name of it. So to say a bit more about how Truths and Insights it works and how it helps people to connect to their, their stories and by extension to themselves. Yeah. And again, I'll, I'll give you some context and get into the mechanics very quickly. The context, so I gave the long term of how Truths and Insights came about. The really short story that I normally say in a business setting for Truths and Insights is uh, we were trying to solve for customer discovery for transformation. But then uh, the big pivot there was the pandemic. But very soon after that was when George Floyd, uh, an African-American, got murdered in the Midwest in America. And that leading to people around the world saying, enough is enough. We are, this is not done anymore. And, and people raising up. At Microsoft, this was a pause in business that we saw in meetings where people now were talking about, how do you feel? I have not heard that question in a business meeting, having worked here for more than a decade and a half, where business meetings are paused for a few days, in this case, it was almost a week even, where we're like, where are you at? How do you feel? How is it hurt, hurt in, in discussion? But the follow-up from that was, well, I was not seeing it. However, the intent was, we need to talk to each other. We need to listen to each other. And just talking is not enough. We need action. Those two led me to like realize that we do not have a construct to have this discussion. Because it brings in different people with different emotions, different backgrounds, and have a very tough conversation where there's clear education on many sides, but also maybe a collective understanding without blame. That's a lot of things to take on. Uh, So I didn't take on all of that at all. Instead, what we went down was just like the core of people want to share their story. So Truths and Insights starts with that. And, and they want to take turns to share their stories in towards a specific, uh, let's just say, a prompt. Almost like a campfire. So you, if, if a conversation at a campfire or a bar starts, it's about a seed of a prompt or a discussion that everybody starts saying, hey, here's where I'm at, here's where I'm at. And then others react to that. That's the design ethos. In, in uh, Truths and Insights, on one side, it is a card game. It's a digital card game. There is a prompt. Uh, and the prompt could be as simple as, I feel great when blank. Then all of us, just like in any card game who are playing that game, 
and typically played in groups of six to eight because card games get played in groups of six to eight if you're playing poker. Then you start having your cards. And your cards could be something that says uh, budget, a surplus budget. One could say like lack of resources or, or great sleep. So meaning these choices, I could finish the sentence which said, I feel great when, and I could say, when I have surplus budget, when I have great sleep. Now, at that point, I can choose any one of the cards in my hand and tell a story. So I could say great sleep, and then I have to tell a story that's true for me. If I played that card, for example, I could tell a story about uh, my twin girls and how for the first two or three years, all I wanted was sleep. All I couldn't get was sleep. It's a parenting thing, but uh, you're trying to be literally functional while actively not having uh, sleep at home because one or the two is awake and wanting and letting them, letting us know that we're, they're awake. So that would be the story I would take. Instead, if I actually pick the card around surplus budget, which is a myth, I don't know who has surplus budget, but let's say I played that card, I feel great when I have surplus budget, then I tell a fantasy story about surplus budget leading to great project outcomes and then how that could be in- interesting. So you can see how suddenly your life metaphor shows up. Your life is the cards that you're dealt with. It's dealt to you. You do have to do nothing about it. But then it's what you do with the cards. You play a card in the situation, which is a prompt. And then you just say, here's where I'm at. And here's how I'm dealing this card. And you're sharing your past. So you, you've done that act. Now, others are around you because you're not living your life alone. If, if you think you are... Uh, then you may have to think again <laughs> because there's others for every action, there's reactions and others also get to react and inspire, uh, get, get inspired. So they hear your story and typically they mirror it, their emotions come to bear, They're, you reminded them of something, some feeling. And then we give those folks ways to react in a way that the conversation moves forward. So you have reaction icons like me too, you changed my perception, or you need I need to investigate this, or you have inspired me to act. And they choose one of these icons. And in real time, AI gives you the feedback in terms of, you just told this story, and there are three me too's, meaning people are meeting you there. You're not on a ledge all by yourself. Or you've inspired me to act. That story is so powerful. I'm going to do that. And there's a feedback loop for yourself. You tell a story, you get a feedback loop, and you can double down on it. But also for the others, as they actively choose one of these reactions, some of the dots that they might have had in their life gets connected. And and then it's brought to the surface a bit more and and it helps them feel connected to you. So eventually the goal is belonging in intimate group settings at workplace at scale. This uh, starts getting down to bonded groups. It leads to collaboration. It leads to better uh, value resonance. So that's the essence and then how the gameplay works for Fruits and Insights. There's another side of the platform. In real time, using AI, we uh, aggregate the information so leaders can see how their organization is currently culturally, using sentiment analysis coming from stories. And if you do that over time, again, the past, present, future uh, in this case, just past and present, you can have a sense of here's where we were at in Q1. Here's how we shall be in Q. We are in Q3. Here's first year versus second year. 
So I was taking the art form of figuring out yourself and figuring out uh, your team and leadership with the management science of trends, AI, data analytics, because that's how we are taught to run organizations. Thank you so much. Well, we're going to take a break in a moment. What I want to just replay uh, the essence of the truths and insights, quote unquote, game is this white card. For example, I feel inspired when, and then three black cards, uh, which could be, and in this case, I'm going to paraphrase in my, what my mind said over the last half hour when I felt inspired, and I, I would need many more than three cards. One was when you said, my past becomes somebody else's future. That was very important for me to hear. The second thing that was in the very beginning of our conversation was when you talked about how you weren't shrinking and you actually chose a, a, a different last name or actually you chose a last name, UN, that by itself did its work for you. And I heard in that an approach of trust, and of trusting in something of community that would take you, not being alone and somehow taking care of this thing that you wanted to achieve, which was helping me to think more broadly. So that would be the, the second card uh, about choosing expansion and choosing the collective. I feel inspired when I choose the collective. Uh, and then the third one uh, was when you talked about your little girls. I feel inspired when I hear you talk about your little girls and not sleeping and still standing and still creating. So thank you so much. We've been listening to Pradeep Yuen uh, from Microsoft. He's the inventor and leader of Truths and Insights. Uh, we're going to take a short break now. And then after the break, we'll continue this exploration in terms of living our passion and being very conscious of how our past becomes somebody else's future and that we're all connected. Thank you. See you soon. You are listening to Rooted and Unwavering, presented by Growth Leaders Network, the leadership team, and culture development company. If you would like to learn more about working on connectedness for yourself, your team, or organization, please contact Growth Leaders Network on LinkedIn. And now, back to the show. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And thank you, Pradeep, for being with us. Pradeep is a senior director at Microsoft and the inventor of Truths and Insights, which is all about connectedness, courageous conversations, play. And we've been talking about, he's been teaching us about how our future becomes somebody else's past and how the narrative of ourselves uh, is something that tells us about ourselves, but also connects us to others and how there's templates for those uh, and different, you could say, archetypes almost that we can fall into. So, Pradeep, I want to go a little deeper with you into playing uh, Truths and Insights. So I'm going to actually uh, pretend that we're playing Truths and Insights. So I'm going to give you uh, first a white card and mm -hmm. then three uh, black cards. And I'm going to ask you just to choose and tell us a story. Okay. Okay. All right. So uh, first card is, uh, the white card says, I feel at my best when, and the three, the three uh, black cards are getting challenged, number one. Number two, when I have a big vision. Number three is when somebody disagrees with me. So which one do you choose? I feel at my best when I get challenged, 
when I have a big vision or when somebody disagrees with me? I would go with the first one. The last one is, you know, I, I, it's, it's, it's not how I would uh, approach it. It's something that I would work with. The challenges for, for, for a designer is are the constraints that you need to create something. Uh, because immediately a challenge says, is somebody putting their hand up and saying, I have pain, I don't know how to do this, or this is a struggle. And, and, and your immediate reaction, at least for me, it tends to be like, I'm here with help. Tell me more. <laughs> and then I'm on listening mode completely and, and, and probing, trying to understand, feel, and then get a sense of where they're coming from. Uh, are there more people like this having a sense of the enormity of this problem? And for me, uh, consistently, I'm at my best when I, I understand this. Example would have been uh, the Truths and Insights, the story that I, I gave just before around the George Floyd incident leading towards enabling conversations. The specific narrative, I'll, I'll add a little story to this, is we worked with BAM. BAM is Blacks at Microsoft, and we were trying to explore this, and, and they helped us learn many things. But one of the things they said at the end was just like, I don't think you bought, built this for African-Americans. And it almost upset me. I was like, I've been working with you for the last few weeks trying to design this. How can you say that? I'm like, don't get us wrong. It's like, this is great. We love it. We're going to play it. But I think you can. You should try this with Gleam. And Gleam is our LGBTQ Empire resource group. And, 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 and in fact, you should go take it to all Empire resource group because this is very inclusive. And when we actually worked with uh, our Gleam community, they took it so far within such a short period of time that within a week of me sending the email, there were GMs and VPs on the call as we were demoing. Every single day, they would bring in more people, like 20, 50, eventually 100 people by end of the week were done, and I had VPs on the call who are playing. I didn't know they were VPs till I looked them up later on, uh, because on the game, you don't know. You just see a name and, and a photograph, and they're just engaging, and we were exploring. And the reason I bring that up in terms of I feel at my best was, was like, this was a challenge that no one put their hand up and said, we are in pain. I could sense it. Mm. And then you started working with, uh, not going to say personas, but groups on us. Like, these are groups, and they start under- helping us understand, oh, I have a problem, or oh, here's my problem. But here is another one who might see it, even though your solution was directed towards us, it, it works there as well. A lot better than if I was sitting in a corner saying, I have a vision. I'm not that smart. <laughs> it's easier to work with the challenge because there's a person with pain and you just ask the question, what's going on? They'll give you essays and point you in, in so many different directions. So I'm at my best uh, with, with people who have challenges and then they're willing to share. So I can't resist. What is your challenge then today? Oh, on, on what dimensions? I have challenges on every single dimension. Huh. So parenting, lots of challenges uh, <laughs> with uh, everybody. There is, it's, it's, there is the transient uh, transactional thing, right? Mm-hmm. Which is operational. Like today I'm here on the podcast, which means I'm not actually braiding my kids' hair and therefore... Uh, I have to make sure the weekend's great for my wife because she's taken up a task that I normally do with my kids. Uh, that's a here now challenge. But even uh, yesterday, uh, Avantika was this my elder by two minutes twin daughter. Uh, she was bawling about, and, and mom came and asked, oh, "What's going on?" And, and she was like, "I can't figure out the name for my company." And and uh, 
And I was like, wait, what? You're five-year-old. Yeah, daddy said we're going to build, to be great, we need to build something that nobody has built. And then I figured out what that is. The answer was some unicorn shop which throws in glitter, which everybody wants. And then now I can't figure out the company name and I can't, and this was there. But the sense of identity and creation and then what you're trying to do, like something I was just saying in passing, like what's value? And I was like, hey, it's, it's, it's about product creation for people. She took it to heart. And then started following up on it as a five-year-old absolutely does. And now I feel like, okay, I have to make sure that she's not first boxed. But if she does want to really do that, then we help. But then is she also doing other things and exploring herself instead of just taking, dad pushed me here and then I'm, I'm, I'm on it. And that's a huge responsibility. And then I would say like, that, that's one of the biggest challenges for me, like what what uh, they, they're setting up the right platform for my kids. Uh, work-related challenges, th- there's enough people on the team that I can work with to solve it for. Uh, the real big journeys for me is like, you know, things I definitely cannot hand off to somebody, which is parenting, family-related. Mm-hmm. So that immediately came up to me. I totally, I totally understand what you're saying. And I love that you are sort of thinking about how can you actually be the best person and the best version of yourself in the midst of that challenge and actually being very open to that challenge? I'm also thinking about the the braiding of the kids and how she had this problem of like, okay, so how do we actually get to uh, somebody really being what we need them to be? Pradeep, say a little bit more about how you actually approach this sense of trust that I feel in you. Because I feel a sense of trust in you. You, you. you have an idea and then it starts to take form, right? You have mm-hmm. an idea and it takes form. So you created you, this new last name, created form, you took care of it, created truths and insights, and then people start doing stuff with it. You know, you're parenting. That's another act of letting go. So say a bit more about how you are finding that sense of trust within yourself. So if I think in terms of those terms, it gets very hard uh, for me because then I have to find the trust and then you start questioning. Uh, what I've found that works for me is not taking myself too seriously, but also making sure that I keep the values together. Like my natural state uh, is like a very ex- natural mind state to me is like a very excited monkey. And most people go with like, okay, we have to rein the monkey. Whereas my approach is just like, Let's just watch the monkey. <laughs> because, you know, again, I'm from, I'm from India. Monkeys are worshipped. Monkeys are everywhere. And, and they're fun. They're notorious. Uh, but if you just watch them, there's group dynamics. There's all kinds of other things they start doing. In my case, my monkeys jump on multiple trees where they, they're exploring music. They're exploring uh, art forms, technology, business, and uh, social. Uh, psychologies, spaces. So I let them be that. And then that requires a lot of patience to just let that be. And then there is this just fundamental way of approach on how I'm, you know, as an entrepreneur, you understand that life and excellence happens in the moment. But if you push it too much, you can't be excellent like immediately. In fact, you never are. But life and excellence happens in the moment because you're pursuing it, right? At every single time you're pursuing it. And therefore you have to have discovery and then active sense of uh, 
prioritization. So they are very conflicting states, but I don't try to force it. So the milestones and the monthly milestones, quarterly milestones that the environment throws at me, I, I try to disassociate myself from it or be very clear on the communication of here's what's going to happen this milestone and keep it very simple so that the environment is satiated. Yes, um, yes, yes. But because if I actually sh- share literally uh, my, um, um, if people knew that I was letting monkeys run in my head all the time or, or, or multiple movies running, it's just multiple, it, it's, it doesn't give people a sense of linear progress and, and uh, that, uh, I'll just speak on finance, finance likes to see every quarter. It happened there. What's ten percent more? Whereas my approach is like, yeah, it'll be three hundred percent within eight months. Can I? What's my probability on it? I don't know. Point four. But that's you, you can't give those kind of exponential with probabilistic answers in a linear world. Uh, so I, I completely just take that inside. Know that uh, there's going to be huge variances, but the discovery is, is is where I put myself in. Now, the team I bring together uh, all around to make sure there's operational rigor and, and together, that will look always like a well-oiled uh, unit. So it's, it's that balance that I constantly go with that, to me, it helps. The other thing is I focus a lot on recovery, uh-huh. not just being doing the do more, do excellent and all of it. Because So I actually yeah, I'd probably have this chat with you like i talk in terms of sleep number like here i had an 83 score on my fitbit and then i i, I hit a 87 today and i'm like i actually feel that so i actually try to get more sleep get more water here i see my gallon uh, water jug uh, in, in a few calls too and then uh, i and then and then one part where i fail is more veggies because if i actually do get more sleep more water more veggies life just looks better <laughs> for those time and and recovery is something you have to actively do uh, that when I put my mind to that the other things seem to fit into place so I I see you sensing I sense you connecting to your creative genius and I would say the creative genius because I also see you sort of open up to it you take the seat of discovery and you have all these different movies running simultaneously, which for some of us might feel overwhelming. And I see you actually enjoying it uh, mm-hmm. and, and seeing the potential and not letting go of your actual inten- intention in it. Uh, yeah. It's not like a free-for-all. You also mentioned that your shop will be a well-oiled machine when it needs to be in those moments of truth. So excellence you, you really value. And then I love, I love, I love, I love the sense of and recovery. The three ingredients that I heard you talk about, sleep, water, and veggies. So, yes. that, and then life looks better. Then life looks better. I, 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 I really appreciate that. Now, I see you as being unconsciously skilled in the art of creation. I, you do it, you talk about it as if it's second nature. It seems to be almost second nature for you. And I can imagine people listening to this saying, okay, that's great. That I'm, I'm inspired, right? I feel inspired when I listen to Pardeep UN talk about his story and how future, my future becomes somebody else's past. Yes, okay. Where do we start? Like, how do you help somebody 
how would you, what would you say to somebody where, who, who thinks like, well, yes, but I am actually not feeling connected to my creativity. I'm feeling very attached to the linear path. I have to this, I have this to deliver today and this, this thing to do and that thing to do and then this meeting and, and then that deliverable. And if that doesn't happen, then I'm going to be upset. And if that happens, I'll get happy. So how do you help? How would you help all of us who have that also running or maybe that primarily running in ourselves? Huge question. I, I don't know how I can help others, but I should, I can tell you what I have done for myself and what has worked, which is uh, all the external stimulus I start looking, and this is going back to Randy Pausch's last lecture, which is like, and to what end? And if you start asking that question a few times, you realize you know, the team you're working on, the project you're working on, the company you're working on might not be a true statement in a month, especially in the current uh, situation. Will you be doing all of that in a month? We don't know. So then what are you doing now? Does it add value to yourself and so forth? And if the answer is no, then you have the clear direction in terms of why am I doing this? So. I've done that a few times because I've had a few pivots. I've done my uh, startups. Uh, and because of being literally leaving countries, going to another, and then starting afresh, you get into this, this immigrant nature of like, I'm not fitting in, but I want to. And I want to stand out while fitting in. Eh? These set of contrasting fields is, uh, is what I get played in. But very tactically speaking, uh, I always pick things that I do not know what to do at, uh, but I always were curious about and then commit to sucking for a long period of time in pursuit of mastery. I'll be very specific. I, I picked up, I was trying to have my kids get into music. I played drums uh, and then got Anishka, my second, uh, like two minutes, uh, twin girl on the piano. And then Avantika was like, well, I'm not going to touch that. I'm a rock star. I want a guitar. So I bought her a guitar. While doing that, I realized, well, I can pick up a chord or two. And then I started doing that. And then I played, uh, downloaded an app and then started learning it. And uh, now I'm committed to sucking at guitar every day for, for, for about uh, 20 minutes. I can play three songs now. In the example that I went into YouTube, just like I learned braiding, like YouTube, I can start doing this. But if I did not commit to sucking for... Uh, two, three months that I've done that, I would not have the, may have just said like, I can play a song. It's actually pretty decent when I when I do it. My wife actually came like, where, where was that? I've never heard that before. And then I played her the actual song on Spotify. And then she was like, wow, that's so close. I'm like, yeah, I picked up the guitar two months ago. I can only do that. I can't do anything else. But, and I still continue to commit to sucking for a while. That is what I just described is a daily kind of an endeavor for my kids on anything. They're five years old. They're learning new things all the time, but they are doing that with open eyes and then committing to sucking for a while. And then they start learning so many things so quickly, like their language and grammar structure by the, by the, by the time they're doing five, they're doing tenses. They don't know they're doing tenses, but they're using sentences in the right form. And it's remarkable when I start realizing, like, how are they learning this? I'm not teaching them any structure, but they're just learning it. So that's what I would say. Like, just pick up something that a while later, you'll be like, I'm, I'm going to be happy that I tried doing that and then commit to sucking every single day for a short period of time. If it's 10 minutes, it's 10 minutes. everybody has 10 minutes. 
Just figure it out, pick something. And when you do that for multiple things, over a period of time, you suck at a lot more things. But the da- for me, there's more dots that show up that I feel like I can connect. If I summarize that, I hear you talk about, ask yourself, does this add to me? And I don't hear ego me. I hear my sense of joy, mm-hmm. sense of peace, sense of fulfillment, sense of meaning. What Professor Pausch was asking you, basically, follow your joy. How is this adding to my joy? How is this adding to who I aspire to be? What truly matters to me? Like, that's a Professor Pouch basically moment. It's like, okay, is this adding to my life or not? And then I can start looking at, ha, huh, here is something that I might find joyful, gives me meaning. You talked about picking up the guitar, right? And this can be something at work that you do, like a, pro- a project you start, an initiative you start, uh, a conversation you start to have, a book you start reading, you t- a course, something you start learning, whatever it is, right? And then I love that you say, commit to the suck. Like commit to suck in it for a while. I find it hard to say that word because um, my upbringing says, no, you can't say that. Um, so, but commit to, so like, I, I, I can tell this is something for me to learn. Like commit to suck, really commit to suck for a while and, and then stick with it and then stick with it. That it sounds very, very doable uh, to me, even though not always easy. And then the last thing I heard you t- talk about is also, and then start watching the dots, how they start, how the dots start appearing. Mm-hmm. Like that's the act part of the active creation. Pradeep, I could talk to you for hours, which I actually do because I talk to you at least one hour a week and often more as we think about truths and insights together. As we are getting towards the last few minutes of this uh, rooted and wavering conversation, what would you like to say, uh, leave listeners with by way of yep. closing? So I, 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 this, this is me uh, quoting an English philosopher now state it and you'll know the philosophy yourself, but in, in every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. You find the fun and then the job's a game, right? It's, it's Mary Poppins. But really, that aspect of anything you do, you have to f- enjoy it. There has to be some fun. If not, change the job or you're not looking hard enough for the fun. And, and then it's not a job anymore. It's and and. And that's how they close it. Like every task you undertake becomes a piece of cake. Uh, and then how much cake will you have? As much as you want. Because doing something like this is not going to add to calories or have any bad uh, elements. And th- this is the other side of commit to suck. But the Mary Poppins is a much better li- illustration of stating it. So that's my last one that I'll leave with. Have fun. Have fun and find the joy. Find the joy, commit to it. I love how you are helping to reframe our mindset about what joy is, because I can imagine many of us, including me, when I'm sucking at something like playing the guitar for the first few weeks or few months, I might not have as much fun. And I can see in my mind's eye now, Pradeep committing to the suck and actually having fun at that particular part of his life. We've been talking with uh, Pradeep Yuen today. Uh, I've found this conversation so enlightening, actually mind-expanding. And some of the things that I took away from it were that my future and our future 
is somebody else's past, whether we know it or not, that we need to be conscious about finding our joy. And this is not something that may always be easy. But, and if we can't find it, keep looking. I also heard that. I also heard you talk about the commitment to being completely in the moment with your experience, being very present with your experience and allowing multiple um, inputs play at the same time and, and not get scared of the complexities, uh, which you would probably talk about all the adventures of life, uh, which you then uh, model so well and then allow yourself to, to keep inventing and reinventing your life. You've been listening to Rooted and Unwavering. Next week, we'll be here again. We'll be here with Rick Gage, my colleague, and I will be reviewing the last five podcasts uh, of Rooted and Unwavering and, and high, uh, looking at some of the highlights. Uh, if you want to know more and actually continue this conversation, we have monthly Growth Leaders Network uh, dialogues on LinkedIn. And uh, also, I invite you, of course, to subscribe to this podcast, Rooted and Unwavering. Uh, Pradeep, Thank you so much for sharing yourself so beautifully, courageously, clearly, and with so much fun. I really felt like I was with a Jedi today. <laughs> for all of us who are listening, uh, thank you for listening. I hope you've heard something you liked or that you found helpful. Uh, you've been listening to Root and Unwavering, where we help leaders connect more deeply to their innate potential. And I add joy in that. M my host name is Hilko Farber. I see you next time. Thank you for joining us in today's episode of Rooted and Unwavering, leadership conversations about courageous connectedness, presented by the leadership development company, Growth Leaders Network. To learn more, subscribe to this podcast, connect with Growth Leaders Network and Hilke Faber on LinkedIn, or read Hilke's award-winning book, Taming Your Crocodiles. Now take a moment and appreciate something that is great about you. Celebrate the gift that you are and enjoy connecting more deeply to your best self today. See you next time on Rooted and Unwavering.